thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, a weekly show dedicated to helping to grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Uh, this week, you may notice a little bit of noise in the background because I'm actually on tour, on the Paleo Way tour with Pete Evans and Luke Hines, and, and we're actually in the kitchen in the background. Um, I'm without my usual co-host, Steve and Sarah. It's just going to be me today, and uh, but I didn't want to miss this opportunity to do a great interview with a registered dietitian who lives along the paleo lines, along the paleo lifestyle. So this week I'm going to introduce you to an awesome dietitian named Karen Zinn. Um, Karen, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your story. How did you get into becoming a dietitian? Great. Th- thanks, Brett, and great to be on the show. Um, I've, I've been a dietitian for around 20 years, and I, I trained in South Africa and immigrated to New Zealand um, pretty much straight after. And, and I've been practicing dietetics and mainstream nutrition since since then um, and I've always thought that I have done a great job and, and, and I still think I have to a certain extent however about two and a half years ago my nutrition philosophies totally changed um, my world was turned my career was turned upside down and I was actually considering leaving the profession because I thought I came across new information well it's not really new it's, it's always really been around but my eyes were open to a new way of thinking with regards to nutrition um, call it paleo, call it um, LCHF, low-carb, healthy fat. Call it what you want. I like to call it whole food because that's essentially what it is. Um, there's so many different definitions of of this way of eating. But, you know, when you watch Pete and Luke cooking today, you think, oh, my my goodness, like what could be so bad about this kind of food? It's just whole food, food that was aligned, food that is aligned with nature, that's closely aligned with nature and food that we were intending to, that we intended to eat, were intended to eat. So, so I, I changed my philosophies and, um, and then of course started my journey of trying to, um, edge forward in, in New Zealand in the, in the dietetic community. Um, with this way of thinking, um, and that has mix, met with um, a, a lot of mixed response. Yeah. So um, my reason for change is is not a very sexy one. It's I don't have a great story at all. Um, I've never been overweight. I, my weight's been stable my whole life. In fact, when I was at school, I was teased for being too thin and having no calf muscles. Um, and I've never had any gut issues. I'm perfectly fine uh, to tolerate carbohydrates, so I'm metabolically well-regulated. Um, and even though I don't choose to eat those foods now, um, when I do every now and again go out and have a pizza, um, it doesn't come back to haunt me. Um, so I don't get bloated. I don't get those symptoms. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lucky, really. So my story and my reason for change is purely because I think it's a superior way of eating and I think it's the way forward for optimal health. Um, and I, and I keep thinking about, you know, the, the, the creators of us, you know, we were created to, prosper and survive as a species and if the optimal food for us to survive as a species was cereal and um, 99% fat-free muesli bars then perhaps that would have been put on the earth for us and it wasn't so I just think going back to some basics whole foods um, with with lots of 
um, micronutrients that we can access is the way forward. And I've seen it in my practice um, with with lots of my clients. So I've changed my practice and just seen massive, massive improvements in people, things that I've never seen before. That's really cool. And it's really exciting, isn't it? And like you said, it's just logical, really, isn't it? It's just common sense a lot of the time. And unfortunately, when it comes to our healthcare system, Common sense isn't always common. So let's talk about some of those changes you've seen within your practice. I mean, obviously, we understand that, you know, the paleo diet or paleo lifestyle or low-carb, high-fat or whatever it is, it's not, you know, a treatment for disease. It's a way of nourishing the body and allowing your body to thrive. But but sometimes when you do that, you do see some really cool changes as well. So what, what sort of stuff are we talking about that you've seen within your practice? Well, it, it, it sort of spreads across a range of things from weight loss to improvement of gut issues to improvement of or reductions in inflammatory disorders right, right through to something like major prostate issue, which has just disappeared on very low-carb ketogenic diets, um, improved moods in people, um, and just, just claims that people feel so much better, feel so much more energized. Totally unprompted. Remember, when I went into this, I was the complete skeptic because when I changed my eating habits, I didn't feel any different because I felt pretty good before. Um, people lose weight. They, f- they feel so much better. The, the difference is, is that um, people feel satiated. So when you increase the fat, healthy fats from whole unprocessed foods, they feel more satisfied and more satiated between meals. So... Um, you know, people argue one way or another, adherence is a big thing with weight loss. Yeah, you've got to stick to something. I, I totally agree. But the likelihood of sticking to something that makes you feel so much better and satiated is, is so much, um, you know, the, the likelihood is so much better. So, you know, th- those are just some of the things that I see. Yeah, and I concur with that so much. Like, it's one of the things I love about the paleo diet is I can just eat as much as I want whenever I want and never feel bad about it, never feel guilty about it, never feel like it's sort of putting me out of shape. And I think that's fantastic. Now, obviously, you are a registered dietitian. You've been in this industry for 20 years. So you're a great person to talk to about the research around this because there are a lot of people who will suggest that there isn't any research to support this or that there's not a, you know, scientifically sound way of doing it or that there's, you know, problems with it from a research perspective. You know, what have you found from the research that you've done and from the work that you've seen? You know, I think it's really important for health professionals and for academics to be open to reading all sorts of research. And the research is not necessarily new. Um, it, it's out there. And we, and we need to really um, look at it and find it. And it's on the web, so it's very easy to find. Um, and it's incredibly compelling and incredibly convincing. Now, <laughs> You know, research is, is complex and, um, we don't, we're not like rats. We don't live in little bubbles and fed through straws and things like that. So we can't measure things with, you know, without the confounding variables. So life gets in the way, as, as I would, as I would call it. But when you look at some of the very well controlled studies, randomized controlled trials, the feeding studies out of, uh, Steve Finney and Jeff Volick's group from, from the States, they have shown things like, um, in the context of very low carbohydrate diet, saturated fat, um, in food and saturated fat in the bloods uh, is actually not a problem at all. So this big myth about saturated fat that we've deduced from correlational studies, which, which have no, uh, cause and effect relationship, um, it's just, it's just not clear cut. And I think the whole, one of the reasons why people are anti-paleo or anti-LCHF is because um, it's because when you reduce carbohydrate, which is 
you know, which is a major problem, and we need to do that from you know an insulin resistance point of view. Um, protein is moderate, right? So we need to eat something. So we up the fat content, and naturally, saturated fat increases. So that's why everyone is so up in arms about it. Um, but if the research was so clear about saturated fat and its relationship with heart disease, then there wouldn't be more studies being done all the time. So, you know, a lot of the meta-analyses, which are the really gutsy studies, um, are not showing anything conclusive about saturated fat being a problem. So, you know, some of that research is very compelling. Some of the diabetes research is very, very compelling, showing low-carb to be almost the, the preferred optimal treatment for diabetes. So, you know, that's... That's that's just huge. I mean, if, if the problem is insulin resistance for type 2 diabetic um, and carbohydrate is so intricately related to insulin, why not take the carbohydrate away then manage the, the, the problem with high-carbohydrate, you know, intakes? It just doesn't make sense. So, so that's the literature-based research. Um, we at AUT we are we are doing some translational research. We're doing a study called Low Carb Kids at the moment, and we're finding that um, you know low socioeconomic uh, communities are finding that things are. We only one week, two weeks into the trial so far, but they're finding that their shopping lists um, are, are being reduced in terms of cost. They're finding that they are um, enjoying this way of eating. The whole family's on board. Um, everyone's sort of calmer and, and smoother and happier. I mean, we're only one weekend, but you know. And we've got so we've got lots of stuff going on, looking at whether this way of eating is actually um, acceptable, accessible, and um, doable for our local communities. Yeah. Cool. And and I think you know that's one of the great things about this is that it is, it is once people get into it so acceptable and so doable that you know it can be quite a shock to the system to start off with. But once people get into it and see the benefits and realise just how easy it is, I think people really do just embrace it and find it actually easier than what they were doing before. So I think that's fantastic. Look, what you're saying just makes so much sense. You know, it just seems so logical to be eating whole foods, to be looking at this research that's showing such positive results. And and then we see stuff in the media where, for example, in Australia, I mean, the Dietitians Association has been very critical of this whole paleo approach, have been, you know, very critical of this whole tour and, and many of the people on this tour as well. Why do you think there's a barrier there? What do you, what do you think it is that's that's causing that conflict? I, I think it's uh, a, a couple of things, possibly. Um, dietitians are, we, we, and I say we because I'm still a dietitian at the moment, um, we are a very conservative bunch and, um, and we totally trust our mainstream way of thinking, which we've been told for years and years and years. So, so that's, that's, the one, that's the one thing. The other thing is a bit of a protection of the patch. I think dietitians... Um, have always wanted to be heralded as those people um, who are experts in nutrition and food. And now that some other people are, um, you know, you know, like like Pete, for example, have got a massive following um, by by promoting paleo. I think there's a bit of um, you know protection of the patch going on there. And you know, when you 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 can you can criticise you know, ho however much you want. But when you look at the sorts of foods that is that, that are being cooked today, it's just astounding how any of this could be criticised at all. You've got nutrient density like I've never seen. Amazing. And do you think some of that is just lack of knowledge, like lack of understanding of what we're actually talking about when we say paleo or primal or low-carb, high-fat? Yeah, I mean, I think paleo has, has got some 
negative connotations because people don't understand what it's about. For example, and, and the media don't do anything to help that. For example, they put in, you know, a, a picture in the newspaper of a female eating a massive piece of, piece of steak, and, and then they do an article about paleo being a fair diet, um, which totally sets people up to understand the wrong thing. So it's not about a lot of protein. Um, you know, I, I, the different versions of paleo. So there's your strict paleo who, you know, no dairy, no grains, no legumes. And then there's your kind of more contemporary mo modernized paleo, which, yeah, a bit of dairy every now and again, a bit of legumes every now and again. And I think, um, I, I don't really subscribe to the paleo name. I don't really subscribe to any name apart from whole food or, um, a diet. Yeah. A diet that is truly whole food will naturally end up being lower in carbohydrate and higher in fat, naturally. And that's really what I subscribe to. So, yes, it's an ignorance. Um, the other thing I, that I just can't get my head around is that any dietitian needs to just put in a day's worth of paleo, LCHF, whatever, eating into a computer program to see that it's nutrient density is far superior to mainstream eating. So I, I don't know I don't know why they can't see that, you know. A diet without carbohydrates or a heavy dose of whole grain is not missing in any nutrients whatsoever if you replace them with sensible, you know, um, fruit vegetables, uh, nuts and seeds and, you know, meats and, and healthy fats. And, I mean, in fact, even recently, some of the issues that have been coming up have been around too much nutrients. You know, we've seen the whole thing with the, the baby formula and the vitamin A and that whole story that's out there. Now, I know as a dietitian that might be a bit sensitive for you. Is that something you can comment on? Look, all I can say is that this, this, whole, this whole thing potentially has been blown um, into massive proportions, you know, mountain out of a molehill stuff. But um, I think one of the biggest problems is that people who write books um, are allowed to write what they want in, in books, you know. So they're allowed to take whatever philosophies that they align with and uh, put that in writing and sell sell books, right? No, no one's actually tried to sell um, food um, or, or packaged food. So I think um, one of the problems is that, you know, particularly with the vitamin A toxicity, is that the the mainstream um, National Health and Medical Research Councils give a toxicity level, um, and other bodies like the Merck Manual give a toxicity level. They give it for synthetic vitamin A. Um, we're talking about natural vitamin A or vitamin A from natural sources. And there's because the, because it's an unknown, people think it's unsafe, and that's not necessarily true. So. Um, it, I mean, I do understand that people are trying to protect pu the public health. And obviously, we don't want to um, increase risk of babies getting vitamin A toxicity. But, you know, there are lots of, lots of cases of vitamin A deficiency from, you know, formula-fed babies too. So I, I, I don't know whether, I don't know what's right or wrong in terms of do we do broth or do we do formula. Look, I think formula ingredients are, are terrible. Um, I think broth ingredients are brilliant. Uh, do we need to do broth exclusively? Maybe not. I, I, I don't know, but I think people need to just read up and, and actually come back to basics and realize this is all about whole natural foods. 
Yeah. And I think that's the key thing here as well, is it's so important that we're able to have that conversation. You know, to deny people the opportunity to have the conversation, to hear both sides of the story, to make an informed choice, because we so often hear in, in medicine and in health that it's all about an informed choice, yet here we seem to be denying people the opportunity to inform themselves and to find out what's going on. So that kind of brings me to the next thing I want to ask you about, because... I've spoken to a number of dietitians in Australia particularly who have said to me, look, I, I do paleo. You know, I actually like paleo. I would like to recommend paleo to people, but I can't get a job doing that somewhere. And, and so how has that been for you as a dietitian who, who does, once again, not necessarily strict paleo, but, but eat, you know, recommends the way you recommend eating? How does that work for you as a dietitian? And what challenges have you had to deal with around that? Um, well, firstly, I'm really lucky because working in academia, you've got that freedom of speech uh, provided it's justified with science. So I'm totally happy to stand by the science and go, this is evidence-based stuff. You know, I wouldn't be such a fool to promote stuff that's not evidence-based. So um, so in, in the academic world and in the research world, we can do this and, and not get told off. Um, in my private practice, I can do this and not get told off. Um, do I need to be a registered dietitian to do what I'm doing? No, I don't. But I choose to be a registered dietitian because, hey, you know, it's 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 a qualification, it's a registration board, and and I think it's important. And I and I've earned it totally. Um, <laughs> it's not to say that I'm not coming up against uh, lots of issues with uh, the Dietitians Board of New Zealand and people complaining about things. It was only this morning that I received um, a review on my Facebook page, a one-star review that said, um, I'm surprised you haven't been deregistered yet. And this is one of, one of our um, knowingly rude colleagues in, um, in, in the South Island. Uh, so, you know, making, making this personal is just, I mean, I, I don't do it. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's, been, there's been lots of stumbling blocks and there will be lots more, but I'm totally happy to take them on. Nice. Well, thank you. Thank you for, on behalf of all of us for taking some of those on because I know what that's like and I've, I've met a few of those myself along the way. So um, it's great to see that there is this kind of grassroots movement starting to happen, you know, and, and obviously there is a need for some change. You know, the fact that just talking about whole real food can be such a challenge and can, can lead to, as you said, you know, possibly getting deregistered. I mean, that's just crazy. So what's it going to take to, to get this movement going and, and to see this movement filter through all those different levels of, I guess, administration and government and regulation as well? You know, I actually think that we're going to get some good change going from ground up. So, you know, when you look at how many people um, are actually doing this and um, reaping the benefits and spreading the word with social media, that, that's where the change is going to happen. Um, lots more health professionals are changing than um, years ago when you know when Atkins came came in and went out. It's it's this is di this is different. There are lots of health professionals going. You know what? There's definitely something to this, and I think the the organisations at the top will be the last to change. And we just need to. I, I'm taking a little bit of a different view. I could get really angry with dietitians and say, you know what? I'm not going to pay you all this money to to maintain a registration, you know, where I have to spend my time defending what I do. Um, I'm trying to work with dietitians and and help them to see what I see. Um, and like I said, I've got no personal story to tell, and a lot of the other dietitians won't either. So I want them to see what I see with no personal story. 
I love that. And, and that's what I love about, you know, stuff like this, the Paleo Way Tour is it is legitimately just people with a passion who just want to share great information with people. There isn't an agenda there. There isn't a, you know, it, it's just people who want to share information. And, and I just can't see how that can be a bad idea. So, um, all right. So next thing I'd like to talk to you about is, is obviously you've got your own sort of way of eating here and it's kind of a little bit paleo. It's a little bit low carb, high fat. So let's try and get a really good idea of what that might look like. So what would be an average day in the life of? Okay. So for breakfast, I've got sort of two go-to breakfasts. The first one, when I've got a little bit more time, is something that involves cooking. So eggs um, with some vegetables. I'm a huge fan of putting vegetables with as many meals as you can. So uh, so a couple of eggs with some, um, so some greenery in there. So, you know, spinach or kale or whatever. Uh, maybe some creamy mushrooms go in there. Maybe uh a little bit of leftover meat or some bacon um, every now and again because bacon's processed, right? Um, and so that's my that's my one breakfast when I've got a bit of time with the odd liver. I have to say I, I do love liver, liver lover. Um, and my quick go-to breakfast is um, berries with uh, with with Greek un- unsweetened plain yogurt with a nice little nutty mix that I make. I make it up um, and it lasts for about four or five weeks if I keep my husband's hands uh, off it or small quantities anyway. So a whole range of nuts and seeds and um, coconut threads and a bit of orange rind and coconut oil and um, you know it might be expensive to make but um, it lasts a long time uh, because you only use it as a bit of a sprinkle for the fat and the protein. So that's breakfast, um, which takes me through to lunch. I don't snack anymore um, in the morning, which is wonderful. I'm not reaching for my my muesli bar at 9.30 in the morning. Um, lunch is always a salad, and, and I reckon that with salads, you're only limited by a lack of imagination. So um, it's almost like a salad build. You know, put your standard salad greens in, then put some leftover vegetables from the night before, then get your protein in, then put some herbs and, you know, various other things in, then get your fat in there. So, you know, avocado, olive oil-based dressing, a uh, bit of cheese or, or olives or a bit of nuts and seeds. So make it, make it exciting every day. Um, and my salad, I always have a salad. My, I always have and I always will. Um, or a leftover meal if, if it's there. Um, and then dinner, I, you know, I love to see what Pete's cooking. I confess I'm a very simple cook. My husband cooks amazing meat, so he does it. He does the meat. I do the vegetables. And I just, um, I just play around with, with different combinations of vegetables and, and flavors like the cauliflower rice, um, with so many different variations can be a million, a million meals. Yeah. Nice. Well, that, that sounds positively dangerous. I can, I can just imagine why people would have issues with such nutritious food. You know, you're, you're obviously not worried about the vitamin A in the liver for your breakfast. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> all, right, all right. Good to know. So you mentioned your husband there. So let's go there. Uh, how was it? Did he change before or after you? How has he gone with the changes you've made? Is he on board? And, and how has that journey been? Okay. So he... He, he ate pretty well before I met him many, many years ago. Um, but, but he, he does, he does a bit of it. Um, so for example, when I make stuff and it's around, uh, you know, for, for, for the lunch meal, for, for salad and the nutty mix for breakfast, he'll have some of that. Um, dinner, he's, he's great. No, no problem at all. Um, 
we we don't miss pasta or rice at all, and he and he loves cauliflower rice. So we we cook together, and we totally embrace it. Look, every now and again, when I see a, a Burger King wrapper in our um, in our in our back um, our back bin, um, I give him a really hard time, and then I think, hang on a minute, you know, this is like once every how many months? Like, just get a grip. So, you know, he does his thing every now and again. I do my thing every now and again. We live the 80-20 rule really well. Yeah, perfect. And I think that's a great way to do it because, you know, we've all been there, I think, where you you get to that stage where you've made some changes, you've seen the positive changes within yourself or within other people, and you can kind of get a little bit evangelical, I think, to start with. And I think everyone seems to go through that phase as they first get started, but they just want to make everyone do what they're doing and and quite frankly it just doesn't work you know people need to come to this in their own time and in their own way so have there been any strategies you've been able to use with your husband without sort of just telling him to do or badgering him to do it that have sort of helped him see why he might want to do it yeah telling or badgering is definitely not a strategy never never was never will be um do you know what i just think the only strategy to to doing this to doing this and to doing it well long term is to be organized and once you're organized in terms of your shopping um, full fridge empty pantry kind of concept um, then he will just open the fridge and grab what's there so if there's not uh, if, if there's not food there then there's a problem if there's the wrong food there then there's a problem um, but the right food is always there because we we just like to live in a in a more organized way and I think that's just the the best way to do it is to get organized when you open your fridge, you must smile. It must be well ordered, and and then you go from there. Yeah. So you spoke a little bit about the you know quote unquote wrong foods. Um, you know, when you're dealing with your clients, what are the biggest issues you see, and and I guess what are the things that you like to zero in on, in on and target first? You know, in terms of making changes. The first thing I talk to people about is that this is not about a diet, and if they're doing this for, um, you know, for if they think they want to do this for a few weeks or a few months, they need to just reevaluate and come back if or, or leave or come back when they're ready. Um, I really talk about the fact that this is a lifestyle thing, um, and and I really question people. I really try to understand why they are there and what they're doing this for, and. And I soon learn whether they get it or whether they don't get it. And if they get it, I can give them all the information. And I and in my follow-ups, I know they're just going to do it, so I'm there just to support them. Those who don't quite get it, I give them little bits of information, and I, I, I try get them on side. So, you know, I still have clients that I include some whole grain bread, dare I say it, <laughs> or some oats or something like that. So it, it really depends on where the person is coming from. Um, and, and where they're going and also how much carbohydrate in their diet they start with. If they, if they're complete, you know, junky with like six, seven hundred grams of carbohydrate, there's absolute no point in reducing it so low that you're just going to set them up to fail. Oh, that, that makes perfect sense to me. You, you probably don't even realize this, but I wrote a book called How to Eat an Elephant. And it's all about doing things one bite at a time. So that approach makes perfect sense to me. I love that. So you've kind of spoken about the things that you like to take out first. What about the things that you want to help people add in first? What do you usually start with? Well, healthy fats, really. So um, I, I have to talk to them um, very carefully about about mainstream versus this way of thinking. Some people are already, yep, 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 I'm into it, just tell me what to do. Uh, and others, I really need to talk to them that uh, about the fact that um, having uh, full-fat cheese and full-cream milk, um, you know, is, is not going to kill them. It's not going to give them heart disease. Um, but I'm a 
massive um, advocate, um, and this is my bottom line, is that with increasing fat, you have to decrease processed carbohydrate. Otherwise, you end up with a high-carb, high-fat standard American diet, um, and that uh, we know how that is going for, for the, the Americans. So um, high-fat, healthy-fat goes with low-carb. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, so introducing some of those healthier fats. So what, what, do you, what do you find is good for people to start with? You know, what do you usually recommend in terms of those healthier fats? Which actual foods? Yeah. Oh, avocado, olive oil, go-to. Yeah. Absolute go-to. Nuts and seeds are, are my go-to. Fatty fish is my go-to. Um, and then I go uh, full-fat dairy and I say to people, look, if you want the skin on the chicken and the fat on the meat, you can have it. But if you are feeling a little bit uncomfortable about... Um, about this way at the moment, you don't need to do it. So I leave that up to them. Um, coconut oil, sorry, I forgot coconut oil is a, is a good one. Um, and I try and get them off any kind of uh, highly processed industrial seed oil like canola oil or um, sunflower oil or soybean oil or anything like that. Nice. All right, so we're almost out of time here. This has gone very, very quickly, so this is great. Um, one last thing, I just want you to, you know, any last message you'd like to give to the listeners out there, what would you like to say to them? I'd like to say that, you know, this area can be um, overcomplicated. I think, you know, with paleo with grains, paleo with legumes, what does this do to that nutrient? Just forget about it. Just, if you forget, I say to my clients when they leave my office, I say, if you forget everything that I've told you, just think, don't eat packaged foods. And then they go, ah, oh, okay, okay, I get it. So I think we really need to come down to basics, and I think if people really live by the eat whole unprocessed foods, it will naturally fall into place. Yeah, and I often say the same thing. It's like most of the benefits we get from health changes is just doing the simple things really well. You know, we kind of get distracted by all the stuff around the periphery because it's kind of a bit more exciting or a bit more different, but really it's the basics done well that make most of the difference. So um, thank you, Karen. This has been an amazing interview. Um, just for our listeners, if they want to find you, uh, tell us about your practice, your website, whatever you've got that, that we can direct them towards. Okay, so I have uh, a, a website which is um, Karen zin.co.nz and it's it's needs to be improved a little bit and, and updated but that's where you find what I do I do Skype consultations um, I have a lovely client in the States at the moment she's my favorite client um, she's amazing um, so I do consults all over the world I also am engaged in social media so uh, Facebook Karen Zinn dietitian people just need to you know find that if they want to um, the other thing I thought I'd mention is um, myself and two colleagues, uh, Professor Grant Schofield and a chef from Auckland, um, Craig Roger, we, we're writing a book, well, we've written a book, it's just gone to print, um, and it's coming back, it's going to be on sale at the, probably the end of May, and the book's called What the Fat? Um, and, and it's all about this, it's the, go, it's the go-to guide, it's the one-stop shop for um, low-carb, healthy fat. So there's a practical guide, there's a recipe section, and there's a science section as well. Um, and the website for that is whatthefatbook.com. So if anyone is interested, um, hop into the website and order the skinny guide, and, and that will be sent directly to you, as well as updates as to when the book is going to be arriving. Oh, that sounds really exciting. We might have to get you guys back on to talk about that book when it comes out because that sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on that Paleo show today. It's great. I can't wait to hear you on stage very shortly. Um, you know, for all our listeners, obviously, you can go and like us on iTunes. You can check us out. We are on social media too. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter even. Um, so 
But until next week, um, thank you for joining us on That Paleo Show and helping us to grow the Paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.